everyone. Welcome to Trust the Trail. We are your outdoor guides, Ariane Petrucci. And Scott Jans. This is episode 32, the first 300 miles of the Appalachian Trail. So um, on this episode, we have a little housekeeping to do. Um, if you've been listening to our podcast, you know that Ariane went out for a month to hike 300 miles of the Appalachian Trail and to bring you with. Our goal was to record uh, her doing um, live uh, as she's hiking and as she's backpacking with a digital recorder in her hand to kind of kind of bring the trail to you guys. Right, in the moment. In the moment. Um, and little did we know, our digital recorder uh, sucked and it broke down. So <laughs> we had to improvise and we only got three episodes out there before we just kind of had to scrap it. Um, she got off the trail. She completed her 300 miles. We started working on Airstream. Life got busy. The next thing we know, Ariane infected herself with the norovirus. And she's... She, <laughs> Took up some time. And she's she's in the hospital for five days. So, um, and that was episode uh, 27, 28, 29 of her being on the trail. Uh, so... Here we are. Um, episode 30 was the norovirus. Yep. And so we, we we really owed you guys an end of the of her experience of the trail and what happened um, with her 300-mile hike. Right. Well, I mean... Northbound on the Appalachian Trail. Well, there was so much to share, and there still will always be so much to share. But, um, yeah, we kind of wanted to wrap this up for you guys so you weren't left hanging... Um, and and to kind of share what it's what it's like to do a long distance journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think what we'll do is it's really kind of your show. Um, <laughs> I already did it in two thousand three, but um, it's really your experience, your show. So I'll kind of kind of we'll just kind of go raw here. Um, and thank you for being on the show today. Okay, I've been on like. 31 episodes oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, already. That's right. <laughs> and I live here. Oh, yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. That's right. I feel like yeah. you're our guest today. Yeah, well. <laughs> it's perhaps. like you yourself is our guest. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so. <laughs> Why, thank you. Why, thank you, Scott. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Ariane. <laughs> um, Glad okay. to be here. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I guess the, the, you know, the crazy thing is that, you know, you get out there, you start going. I mean, it's so new, it's so fresh, it's so psychological, yet it's so physical at the same time when you first get started. Um, so you, you go in April, right? Yeah, mid-April. Mid-April. Which is still... Thousands, I mean, it's, hundreds it's one, of people are leaving every day. Right, it's on the later side of leaving, but it's definitely the most popular And so time. you go out there because, you know, you're like, you know, look, I want to do this, it, it's... I just want to do this alone. It, it's you know, it's my time. So, what was the so the solo versus the social aspect? Because I know you you're hiking with a lot of people. Yeah. So, so, what was that like? So, I think that's probably the one thing that I, even though I mentally was aware of the facts that you know the Appalachian Trail, especially heading northbound. Um, from Springer and, and at that time period, you know, it's, it's, um, the springtime and it's right within the parameters of it being the busy season. I mentally already knew 
that there were a lot of people out on the trail. But I never really correlated, I guess, I guess in my mind, I had anticipated this, <laughs> this like wilderness journey for myself, you know, <laughs> and I've been on the Appalachian Trail a significant amount of time over the last many years because because I live in Atlanta and it is so close and it's never been crowded to the extent that it was crowded and of course that had to do with the timing and everything but I never really had correlated the 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 truth with with the reality and and maybe merged those two into a possible scenario and the scenario was simply that there were way too many fucking people for my liking on the trail. And I'm just being very honest. Right, right, right. I mean... Thus, our Norvower show, <laughs> episode 31. So, like, so... I had intended on being out there, being solo, taking my journey for myself, um, being able to hike my miles by myself. But especially within the first... I would say a hundred miles of the Appalachian Trail, you really don't have the space that you are seeking. If if you go out there alone, there are hundreds of people on the journey with you. It's almost impossible to to walk a mile, two miles without seeing another person. Which the irony is for you is that when when you got up to Springer, you were alone on Springer. <laughs> You know, which is, so, which is crazy because that never like, happens. It's so contradictory to what I'm saying. And, and so here you are alone <laughs> on Springer watching a sunset saying like, but where is everyone? Also, but then it was full, full on board people for the next 300 well, miles. And I had actually, because I started at the approach trail, Amicalola Falls State Park, and I had actually been hiking with several people intermittently back and forth doing the whole like leapfrog thing. And so a lot of people had misgaged how fast they were going. And so they fell short of Springer that night at the shelter. And I was one of the very few people that kept going to hit Springer Mountain that first day. So so that's why I think I was alone. But when I had actually gotten to Springer Mountain Shelter, there were there were many people there. So yeah. it happened to be this like weird convergence of time and space that I was alone on Springer but I never I never experienced you know for the remainder of my hike I never experienced being truly solo for the entirety of my hike and that was alone a disappointment for me because in my mind I had conjured up the fact that I would get a wilderness experience but I was very alarmed that it's not a wilderness experience. It is a very social, social. When when you aspect. say social, what do you mean? Like what so, describe social? So in my personal experience, um, because I was doing the hike for alternative purposes, I wasn't trying to get um, to Katahdin. I wasn't trying to do an entire through hike. I wasn't trying to meet up with people. I wasn't trying to look for my tribe, my group to to hike through with. Um, you weren't broken. You didn't I have was, issues. 
you just really wanted i just wanted to run like forrest gump you know you're like i just wanted to go hiking you know it's funny that you say that because i remember i was at it's a completely like side note here but i was at i was at mountain crossings and i was shopping and you know, inside. And I was looking kind of like, okay, well, what do I want? Because I'm already sick of my food. And it's like only a few days, right? (laughs) Don't want my food. And so I'm like looking and this guy that I had just hiked with that day, like intermittently doing the leapfrog thing again. He asked me this really point blank. He goes, so what are you escaping from out here? And I was like, uh, I'm not escaping. I actually truly, genuinely love my life. And it was interesting that that was his initial question to me. Right. It's like, what are you escaping from? Why are you out here? Anyway, I side note. I just like to run. <laughs> but okay, so back to... <laughs> it really well, is a Forrest Gump type of moment, you know? Like. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't running from anything. I, I, I simply <laughs> just wanted some... I just wanted to... It, my whole goal of going was to have done something longer than you know a week-long trip and to be able to resupply to be able to be out there for a long period of time where i had different mental aspects to to face versus just out for a weekend backpacking trip or a week-long backpacking trip where you know there's an end to it so the social aspect comes in the fact that People are looking to connect with others because very few people... I was alarmed by the fact that almost everybody started their journey alone, but they were instantly... Which, do you think that's what they want to do in the beginning? No, well... Do you think they have this romanticism of being out there alone in the wilderness and then the first hour they're alone, they're like, what the fuck? what the I mean, shit I, I think, you know what I, I mean think, like what the hell have I done yeah I think for some that and they cling might, to that first person they see but I also think that the Appalachian Trail has become so powerfully recognized through social media and through movies and through um, this grand notion that you know you, you can do something that you've never done before and it is an achievable aspect for most because it's not so wilderness it is you are honestly very connected to um the the real world in a sense um intermittently throughout your hike and so it is achievable for many so i think that um this it, it brings a certain type of person out that maybe possibly wouldn't do a long distance trail like um, the Colorado Divide or, you know, it's something something that is honestly extremely remote. Um, and so you get a person that's a little bit more connected to people and needing not only um, the social element that they would get in their everyday life, but th- that yearns to be with somebody because they don't know how to be alone out in the wilderness because it is their first go at a trail. Yeah. It is their first experience out in quote unquote wilderness. And so you do have the social element that connects you and you instantly gravitate to the people around you and you instantly connect to them saying, I need to be with people. I, I remember on day two, I, I, I went to Hawk Mountain Shelter to filter water and eat lunch before moving on. And a girl came up to me who I had kind of seen along the trail. And she was like, what is your name? You know, like, 
you know, are you instantly? She's like, are you through hiking to Maine? And I go, well, no, actually, I'm just section hiking. And she turned her back on me. She goes, oh, well, I'm looking for women to connect to. And I was I kind of internally giggled because I was like, okay, well, <laughs> glad. But it was almost and the like funny thing is that she this didn't is, want to connect to me well, because I wasn't going all the way. But the funny thing is that she's like two days on the AT. Katahdin's yeah. kind of a long way. <laughs> yeah. So at so this point, I... She I, ended up like... She ended up killing my miles. I know, but the, the funny thing is that everybody, what people need to understand, but people are always, until you get to Katahdin, you're section hiking the AT. That's true. That you know, is you, actually, you are never guaranteed Katahdin two days in on the AT. That is, that is true. You can say you're through hiking, <laughs> but until you through hike it, <laughs> you're, you're section hiking the AT. Yeah, you know, I mean, until true. you get there. So, I mean, I guess like, you know, with your question, the social versus um, the solo experience, I, I truly was almost taken aback in a, in a very abrupt way uh, and not a negative or a positive. It was just kind of like an eye-opening experience that the AT in, in my personal eyes, <laughs> and I would actually say that probably most people would agree with you, um, is that the AT is a social hike. It is not... A, a wilderness experience it's not a solo journey and it can be it absolutely can be a solo experience <laughs> but it <laughs> oh, which many people do i don't i would i would never it's a, there's it's a solo experience there are way too many twigs but you know anyway i guess the the, the reality what was the is, most is com- that, what was the most common what was the crowd that was in the shelter like in your shelter experience, well, at one point in time, where, <laughs> what, where did you think like, holy crap, there's, where are these people coming from? Yeah. You know, it's funny because like, um, I think around, I think around like, uh, mile or day 15 or give or take, I can't remember the specific day. I thought it was enormously crowded just due to the weather, um, because everybody had gotten there and there were like 30 some odd people trying to cram into an eight-person shelter. <laughs> because, but no, that's not that, social but, but at that, all. But, no, no, no. But that was like very weather specific. Yeah. And it and it, and it it had to do with the reason. That's but, pretty common. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, when it's downpouring for 48 hours, where else are you going to go? But I was, I, until I hit the Smokies, I didn't actually realize the crowds that were on there. Um, at one point, we had well over 40 people at one shelter at any given point, and the shelters really only hold max 12 at right. that point. Right. And and that's talking about cramming in. That's actually, that's well above what they quote as it holding. Yeah. So so as you're, as you're you know, you're hiking on your journey and you're trying to deal with the, you know, the, they call it the herd. <laughs> right. Is, the northbound the herd. The northbound herd. <laughs> of yappers, can I say. Man, they are really talking to people. What do you, and what, what do you, so what do you think the most common questions as you're, as you're, you know, you're, you're engaging in the social experiment on the trail, what were some of the questions, most common questions you got as you were meeting other, other hikers? <laughs> yeah oh man the most common questions well that in itself is very <laughs> it's almost like straight up like humor in my eyes uh so 
the the question okay so you imagine when you first meet a stranger it is your typical meet and greet you know just shoot the shit kind of like conversation what's your name where are you from what do you do uh, what do you do like yeah. you know you know but it really wasn't at all like that it it almost took this like um everyday uh city life away from the trail and it was it, it became extremely competitive and you know i was started to joke with others that i was hiking with and i was like have you been asked the five questions yet and one of the girls that i had asked she was just i had her cracking up in stitches because she was like oh my god there really are five questions aren't there and it has nothing to do with anything about who you are or where you're from or why you're even you would imagine like why are you hiking the trail right is why are you here is not one question they ask you right? it has nothing to do with their okay so what are the five i'm dying okay so the five questions have typically somewhat in this order um are you through hiking yes well that's a good question because you know some people may not that's right I got shafted do, on day two for so not do, do you think do you think are you through hiking is the is the um it's kind of like the point blank of whether I'm going to carry on this conversation with you on the trail or not well for some yes for some yes yes but, I am through hiking oh my next question if if it's no it's like okay see you later bye bye well I think it's like you know are you Have through hiking nice they're already trying to size themselves the, up right, against you right you right, know yeah uh, next question. Yeah, what is your trail name? Yeah, we could take it or leave it. Sometimes it's theirs, sometimes it doesn't. Right. It's not. Right. Um, but they use it to connect to you because nobody refers to their real name out on the trail. And so when you have a trail name, you log into the guidebooks as such. Um, and people so they refer can keep to track it. of you. They need to keep track That's of you. That's right. Question number three. When, and sometimes they ask where, did you start? And what date? They need to know exactly when did you start and why are you in my location at this exact right. point? <laughs> so they're trying to size up, are you a fast hiker? Am I a slow hiker? And do you have street cred? Did you do the approach trail? Right. Seriously. Right. Well, you know what? Shockingly, okay, so before I had gone, it was so important for me to do the approach trail. Personally, And you did I, do the approach trail. I did. Yeah. And I felt like it It was part of my hike. I needed to do it. I know it doesn't I call legally it count. Cred. It is street street cred. But shockingly, nobody gave a rat's ass about it out there. No. See, when I hiked in 2003, that was street cred, man. If you said, (laughs) no, I didn't, it would be like, oh, okay. But if you did, you're like, oh, yeah, way to go, man. All right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it really wasn't, the question really did not matter. Did you? It was where did you start? They were referring to specifically yeah. when were you? Are on you top fast of or am I slow? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, question number four always consisted of, and this is an important one: Where are you planning to stay tonight? <laughs> so, it's funny. Are you in the herd or are you not in the herd? How many or, people are in front of you? Right? They're trying to size up how how many people are going to go to that shelter. So at first it became this like really interesting thing. Like, I mean, people were honestly asking me these questions every single time I ran into people. And I started to realize that they could be used 
towards my advantage. So when I would run into a, a crowd of people that I really did not want to hang with or I needed to get space from, I began halfway through my hike using these questions to my <laughs> own advantage, which I internally end up playing the same game as they did, except not competitively, almost to avert people and to to allow myself space from these enormous crowds or these individuals that I needed to just chill <laughs> from. And so, you know, where did you stay tonight became almost the most integral of questions to determine where am I staying tonight? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but, what could be the difference between seven and 14 miles that day? And it truly, it truly <laughs> right, did right, become right. that. Right, absolutely. <laughs> and so the last question really didn't ultimately matter, but like, can I keep a maintained balance from this individual, <laughs> aka question number five ended up being how many miles are you averaging per day so <laughs> so you're on the trail and you know you're hiking with the herd um what do, i'm really trying to get away from the herd <laughs> at this point when specifically let's break it down to your first 100 miles um what did you see as far as you know people's you know pack weight how did they pack you know what was their what was their mental thinking um on food and um, do you think that they were were prepared for how hard the trail is? Even I would say even in your first forty miles. Um, well, it was actually really. What alarming. did you see? Yeah, so it's actually really alarming with the first thirty miles, and we have actually done you know shows and podcasts on this before, like the first thirty miles of the Appalachian Trail, and you know it. It really is the first 30 miles for a reason because everything comes becomes perspective. Even such a short distance. Or, or distance, like we call it reality. <laughs> reality within such a short distance. Um, pack weight was obviously everybody overpacked. Everybody overpacked. And, and your typical, your food, your clothing, um, things that they had thought that they had needed. Um, and so they would take the whole entirety of it. Let's say a toilet paper roll. They would take the entire toilet paper roll versus just a segment of it. Or, you know, they would bring an entire bottle of something where they really only needed to pour a little bit of it into a bag. So, I mean, just your general aspects of that. But by the first 30 miles in particular is when you hit your first offshoot to be able to like, you know, ship home your gear. And I, and that's mountain crossings and everybody was ditching their weight. And that's the everybody. first 30 miles if you did not do the approach trail. <laughs> that's 38 true. miles if you did do the approach trail. <laughs> so, so, you know, definitely, and even past, like within the first 30 miles, I can't even describe the amount of litter that was ditched on the trail. Um, yeah, we talked about amount, that on our live show. The amount yeah. of gear that was just thrown and saying, hey, take it, I'm done. But in particular to food, I think, was probably the hardest to gauge because food food is the most challenging thing for people to, to conceptualize how much will I eat based on the miles, which you really can't anticipate what you're going to. I had anticipated 
doing a certain amount of miles and I had well exceeded every single one of those like anticipated goals every single day for the first several days. And I couldn't believe I was almost doubling the miles that I had anticipated. So I was eating more, but at the same time, I wasn't at all hungry. So I was in this like weird conundrum now. Which is a whole different show, by the way. We've right. Done, we've done this whole show <laughs> on when you first start, you're not really that hungry. People pack way too much food. It takes a while for you to get quote unquote hiker hunger. Where did that hit for you? So... I had gone into this rhythm of understanding, okay, I can get away with packing less food or I can, I I actually need heftier food, so I'm going to actually pack maybe perhaps a little bit heavier on this segment of a trip because my body is starting to process things differently or I'm needing to needing different foods to to balance what it is that my body is yearning for and what I'm needing to get through. So, I mean, I mean, got a whole different show, right? But. <laughs> and it's important. I, I, I guess I, I think we should, I think it's important to say when you first started, what was your pack weight with five days? Did you pack five days worth of food? Four I had days, packed days? six days the first uh, five days. Five, five days. days. Five days. And what was your pack weight? 25. 25 pounds, yes. five days worth of food yes. with water. Yes. Okay. So I think that's important to let our listeners know exactly what your pack weight right. was with five days of food, two and a half or two liters of water, right? Yeah. Well, no, it was three liters Three liters of water. of water, right? 25 pounds. So that's that's hugely important to understand when you're you're getting ready to plan your hike. You're four, five, four days, five days. Right away from food in almost every case on the AT. In some cases, even shy Less. of that. Yeah. That's right. Well, you know, so I had... Um, hiker hunger didn't hit me until the Smoky Mountains. And I had gone in saying, there's no way in fuck I'm getting off in the Smoky Mountains. I'm going straight through the Smoky Mountains. I'm, I'm... I'm in it to win it. I'm packing enough food. And I think I had packed for seven full days of food. Based on how I had been eaten the, the, the week prior. Well, what I never anticipated and what I don't think I ever could have anticipated, especially never doing a hike for that many days in a row, is hiker hunger hitting you. <laughs> and I... I can't even explain the <laughs> ravenous emotions and the feelings I was going through. I could have taken down the other hikers. <laughs> and I, I was I've so, seen you hungry before. That's I was quite possible. So unbelievably hungry. I would eat. I would eat an entire lunch. And I, my my stomach was growling 45 minutes later. So that was about... I couldn't was, get Was, was that about 20 days in, right? Yeah. About 20 days in of burning, you know, three to 5,000 calories a day, you get to the point where you're not hungry, blah, 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 you're eating, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden there's a knock on the door. You <laughs> answer like, it. Hello. And you're doubling up your meals. Right. So what I had ended up... I kept, I was, I was so hungry and the, the need to eat was so intense and 
I mean, this was not mind over matter. Just eat my portions. I'll be fine. Like I could not look at food, my food bag and not eat. So I had eaten my almost, I had eaten five and a half days of rations in three days. <laughs> <laughs> I was so hungry. So, and that, that wasn't the only thing. So the crazy part of... And my food bag was unbelievably heavy going in. <laughs> so the crazy thing about when hiker hunger is setting in with you is that, um, you know, then you, you're in the Smokies... And you have and, no, and, you have no and then, options. And the next thing that happens is that a weather system comes in. It makes national news. And the next thing you know, one day <laughs> it was 85 degrees. Yes. Right? Yes. It, As I you're actually, crossing Fontana Dam. It felt a lot warmer than that. Okay. 85, 90. Yeah. And then less than 24 hours later, you're hiking in 70 mile per hour winds. Actually... Forgive me for correcting you, but it was 90 mile per 90 hour winds. 90 mile per hour winds. <laughs> Clocked by. Excuse me? <laughs> um, at the, no, I would say the wind gust had come up it to It did hit miles. 90 in yes. one of the areas yes, of the Smokies, did. absolutely. So, but sustained, I would say sustained 70 miles is somewhat correct because um, I had gone in thinking, hey, I know the reports are calling for about 60 mile per hour winds, but it was... The most abrasive. And so here you are, you know, force. you've got to hike over the highest point in one of the highest points in the southeast, east of, east of the Mississippi River. And you've with got hiker to, hunger. With hiker <laughs> hunger. And you've got to go, uh, you're hiking in, you know, 60, 70, 80 mile per hour wind gusts. Yeah. I mean, talk about, you know, just the sheer, um, I think... Um, you know, Mother Nature, unexpected, the spont- the spontaneity of Mother Nature saying, yeah, I, I know what you thought you were going to hike in. <laughs> and, you know, I really appreciate you thinking it was going to be just, you know, maybe a little rain, a little thunderstorm here and there, but I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm gonna come at you. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you what Mother Nature's like. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you what I'm gonna show you how, yeah. in the Smoky yeah. Mountains. Congratulations. Be like. <laughs> so what was that experience like? I mean, real quickly. I mean, like, were you scared? I mean, was it was did you ever get were you you know, was it was a trepidation and like, hey, I need to get off, man. This is kind of like a, a bad issue because you had something happen to you guys in your in your little hiker group there that you didn't know about when you were hiking the AT. When you came through up to... That's true. You didn't know. So share that. That's true. So, you know, I think part of... Part of what we need to explain here is that cell service is not prevalent. Um, And we, we we had been pretty blessed with the fact that we had had continued cell service intermittently throughout things. But when you enter into the Smoky Mountain National Park, your cell coverage drops from minimum to like non-existent and your your ability to connect to what's happening um, what the weather is expected to do in in you know some of the highest points on the appalachian trail is all of a sudden out of your fingertips so you're just focused you're focused straight on like you're present, you're in the here and now, and you only know what you know. So yeah, one day 
um, which was a pretty memorable day. It was it was very, very, very warm. We were completely exposed on bald after bald after bald. And, you know, hiking was slow to all of a sudden the weather had come in, completely changed. And we were... We were completely exposed to these like the intense elements, right? So what we didn't know is that but they left you. <laughs> they, they left us. They, yeah, they did. You came into Newfoundland Gap. The funny thing is, you guys watch the video if you subscribe to our email. <laughs> Here's Ariane, happy hiker coming out. Oh, God, I'm excited thank about God, the burger I made. I'm about to get. Yeah, I, I'm gonna get a burger. I've just seen a tree almost collapse on me. I've had I've had debris fall on my face. You know, here I am, and Ariana is such a happy hiker. You've got to watch her backpack, you guys. She's so happy. She gets to Newfoundland Gap thinking there's going to be all these people to ride her in town. And what happened? Well, the park had been abandoned, and there was nobody around. Nobody. <laughs> so we had to start hiking down 15 miles down a concrete road, which, by the way, walking on concrete after spending that long on dirt and the trail is really obnoxious 15 miles into Gatlinburg to where we we had to go in for resupply but you know speaking of the elements that's the trail that is the trail and you know I'm that was my favorite day I know know it was that was my favorite day in the 300 miles is because it was so intense in the fact that what I was experiencing was out of my control, completely out of my control. I wasn't frightened, although I was very hyper aware that the situation I was in, the situation all of us were in were, was questionable at like, at the most minimal. It was very... It was a very dangerous situation to be in. Well, the crazy thing about you, and that's what I love about you, is that when I was watching the video, I mean, like, debris is hitting you Literally in pelting. the face. And you I got have this scratches big, on my face. You got this big, <laughs> you got this big-ass smile, grin on your face. I think at I one was, point in time, a squirrel, I think, actually hit you in the face. <laughs> I was and, having a wonderful... And you're just having your line, go, this is what I love about backpacking! And you're just having a great time. But that you was... Know, you, you, got, you got in Gatlinburg, and you got all that stuff, but that was... That then, after you get back, after you survive the wind and all that stuff, then you get back on the trail. This is May. Now, remember, it was like 48 hours or or what? Two two days prior. It was, it, it was 90, 85, 90 yeah, degrees, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get back up to Newfoundland Gap. They finally open up the road. You get back there. What are you hiking in? Snow. Snow. Like several feet of snow. Several <laughs> feet of snow. And But, you know, it's funny because, you know, we talk all the time, and we talk about this on our show all the time, our weekly show, is, you know, plan ahead and prepare. But what you cannot prepare for, you can, but what you can't mentally prepare for is the shift in Mother Nature so dramatically and quickly that that it's just like you kind of have to, you have to love what you're doing and enjoy what you're doing out there because... That ended up being my favorite day because it both challenged me and it was an experience I had never had before. And I was so grateful to be in it and and experiencing it dis- despite... I was very aware that it was 
dangerous. And but you I had, had planned been, for that. So I you, had. You had your clothes. You had, had. the proper gear. You Actually, know. many people shipped home their winter right, gear. Right, right. And that's an that. important thing to yeah. say. A lot of people yeah. got cocky when it was 85 degrees out, shipped <laughs> home their you winter don't gear. Carry the weight. And they, but, you know, you, you just don't do that when yeah. you're hiking northbound on the Appalachian Trail in May. <laughs> I wouldn't even do it in June going through no, the Smokies. Yeah. But. But you were prepared. You had your rain jacket. What was your rain jacket for? Wind, windbreaker, Wind rain yeah. jacket, and then the snow. You know, it was a great uh, uh, layer, layer yeah. for you yeah, yeah. for the snow. But so that I mean, that's just crazy. I love your smoky story. I love listening <laughs> was, to it over and over that was again. Quite the experience. I love the videos. Um, again, for people that subscribe to our email list, we we have shared that video that. Um, that nobody else gets to see. It was Ariane hiking through the Smokies. And <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I've never seen such a happy hiker in my life have debris. <laughs> Just like blowing, blowing in her. And Ariane's like, I love this. Yeah, that was the most beautiful night though. So I, I think, I think, I think that's awesome. I think that's really <laughs> awesome. So you get out of the Smokies, right? And so I guess I would have to ask you, you know, you're, you're, after the Smokies, you get into, uh, you know, Max Patch, and then you get into Hot Springs, and you start wrapping up your your trip. Um, and I, I think at that point, you had seen it all. You had the rain, you had the fog for all those days. You'd got some beautiful views. What What do you think your, um, what do you What do you think that was your most, one of your most memorable aspects of your trip? Now. We talked about this before we started our podcast tonight. Yeah, which is kind of this is really cool, you guys. This so, is really actually and the reason I, we we bring this up because you know she went live on our Facebook page and she brought us trail updates. Um, you know, I was in, I was in contact with her when she did have cell cell service. I looked at her Instagram feed, looked at her <laughs> Facebook feed, and for someone that was following her on social media. I was pretty confident that I could tell Ariane what her memorable moments were, but I was 100% wrong <laughs> because I see the trail or I saw the trail vicariously through her eyes um, and I saw the best of the best. Right. Well, that I mean, isn't that what people you're not going to post to social media. Absolutely. I mean, like I didn't see one picture of you squatting and pooping in the woods. <laughs> Thank God. You know, you know <laughs> what I mean? God. Or digging a cat hole. Right. But so they I were, saw they were deep, I, especially I, after the smoky mouth. <laughs> right, so, so I saw the best of the best. I saw the best yeah. of the best. So I, I saw pictures of you, um, you know, in North Carolina after you'd been hiking in rain and rain and rain. And that these beautiful, beautiful uh, morning clouds and fog that you had gotten up so earnestly uh to show us uh sunrise and i looked at that picture and i'm like well that that has got to be the most memorable moment but it's funny that that wasn't and then and then i look at other pictures of you at uh, making it to the nato hill outdoor center and having a beer for the first time in such a long time with all your hiker friends and i'm like well for sure that's <laughs> That has to be one of her most memorable moments. And then I, I look and and I, I see these that the wind and the smokies and oh my god the the snow and hiking in the snow and I'm like for sure that has to be one of your most more memorable moments. But that is um, looking through social media um, through someone else's hike and um, 
you tell me what your memorable moments were in your in your mind. I think this will this will just blow you away. Well, it's funny because you don't ever take photos of the things that that end up being the most impactful to you because you're so present in the moment. And, you know, everything that you had said, oh, my God, that is what I ended up posting to social media. That's what I ended up expressing as like the most beautiful of the beautiful of the beautiful. But the... For me, the most memorable moments weren't the most beautiful moments. They were, they were my worst moments. They were the moments that, the moments that were the most discouraging. The moments that, that I wanted to quit, even though I knew I wasn't going to quit. You know, and I was telling you because you had, you had asked me what they were, and I'll never forget. Probably the the first thing that popped in my head when you had asked me, what is it that you remember the most? And it was, it was only day eight on the trail. (laughs) And I was, I was, um, I was hiking up to Trey Mountain and I had had a very questionable experience with some locals and I've never hiked up a mountain so fast to get away from people. And I, I practically ran the trail at that point and I had gotten up to Trey Mountain and I was alarmed to how small the surface was and I was expecting like oh my god Trey Mountain such just like integral part of being on the trail and I get up there and it's like I'm standing on this like you know, 90 degree angle rock that's like jetting out of nowhere. And I'm like precariously balancing as I get this like very, very quick view. And then I'm like engulfed in this like enormous, fast, dark rain cloud. And I am a drowned rat within an instant, instant. And I'm hiking and my only goal is to get to the shelter and get off of this mountain and to get to some kind of protection and I am soaking wet rain gear is there's my rain gear is on it had been on and it doesn't do anything and I get there and that was the day that I had really 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 internally struggled with mileage and I had only done a few miles that day but my goal obviously was to get past like 10 miles and I had struggled with this balance of like, do I stay? Do I go? Blisters were starting to form just due to the fact that they were rubbing against these like soaking wet feet. And I was so cold and so wet. And it was, it was quite the struggle. And that ended up being because I had chosen to stay and I fought everything that was internally in me. I had stayed behind and just decided to it ended up being this amazing moment. And then the other day, I was right before I hit the North Carolina border, right after that. And I started, okay, sorry guys, but I had started my period and I was beyond dehydrated and beyond discouraged. And because I was still hiking solo at that point, I had, I had, kept pushing mile after mile after mile to find a water source and water seemed to be scarce at that point and I couldn't seem to get to water and every time I passed a water source it was so far off course that I was like well I'll just keep going to the next water and keep going to the point where I had discouraged myself into not only 
wanting to just wanting to feel as though I was just like going to just sit on the side of the road and, and, and camp. But I finally get to this campsite and I was like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to set up camp and water was down this extremely steep, muddy, um, about a half a mile down. And I get down to this water source after all this effort to get there. And I'm like ready to quit. And it's like, barely even trickling out of nowhere. And I was just, it took forever to fill up just enough water to just drink that I, I was so discouraged by the end of the night. And it was moments like that where, that I just, I, it was the, it was, the, it was my deepest, darkest moments of personally feeling as though I had been defeated by the trail that ended up being my most memorable and they weren't anything that were the the visually beautiful moments or the um the moments that that I that I posted or even the moments that I actually spoke about in in conversation but but all these months later having looked back on it it was it was like it was honestly the moments where I felt the most discouraged, but I had I had mentally pulled myself out of it on my own and mentally overcome all those all those feelings of discouragement or just being being on the trail. And it and, you know, it, it was those moments where I won over the experience. And those are the moments that actually stuck with me in the long run. It wasn't the views or these, yeah. you know, these like gorgeous sunrises or sunsets. It had nothing to do with that. And those moments, even though they're not forgotten, they they haven't stuck with me with the same impact that my perseverance had had in the long run. Yeah, I think that's really important because, you know, we, we, we tend to glamorize... Um, we we tend to glamorize epic moments um outdoors and we get um we get a little oh fantasized all up when we see the sunrises and the sunsets and the the beautiful pictures but you know it's hard to get there yeah and it's worth it absolutely but there is a lot of suck (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and pushing through um something that is bigger than yourself and mother nature is absolutely bigger than yourself well and that ultimately is what a long distance trail you know hiking a long distance trail can provide for you is it really truly becomes the the journey for you it's not about the places you went or the things you saw, or the, in some cases, the people you met, all those end up, in not all the cases, but some of those end up kind of filtering into your long-term memory. But the things that stick with you are your emotional experience and what you went through to overcome that. So I know we we were, we were talking, about, you know, when we, we do a pre-show, we, we go through what we're <laughs> going to talk about. But I want to ask you a question that we didn't talk about. Okay, what is it? How many times in 300 miles, and be honest, Okay. and I know you will be, um, how many times did you quit in your head? Was there a time where you were like, 
you know, screw this shit. I could be home. I, what am I doing? You know, was there ever a time that you really felt like, you know, you just wanted to, to quit? Yeah. And that was the day I was just referring to. Um, day eight. Or I'm sorry, it was actually probably day nine at that point. Um, I I had worked myself up so emotionally into this, like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is... This stupid. Is, this is stupid. <laughs> it's why am I struggling so internally? Why am I trying so hard to get to this point versus that point or whatnot? And, and I knew... I knew I would never quit. I knew I would never quit. I I was in it. But emotions play this like really like foul game with you because, you know, at that point I'm hiking alone. So I don't have anybody to bring me out of my mind when I'm my lowest. And so I only have myself to be able to rely on. And when my mind is is telling me, no, you don't want to do this. This is too hard. You don't have any water. You have to go like a mile down this like muddy, really steep hill to get water. Like, okay, come on. Like, this is this is stupid. You could be at home with your dogs and your boyfriend and and be in the comforts of reality. You have to find a way to say no, but this is what I want. I do want to go down this stupid muddy hill. It isn't about being grateful. It is. It really is. <laughs> I mean, we. I mean, no matter how many times we have taken new people out backpacking, and <laughs> it, we we teach it all the time. We really do stress. You, you, I don't care what it is, you man. You really gotta do find have to, a way to be grateful that you're out there. And I and I was. What's the alternative? Yeah, I right? don't, what are you gonna? What do you? You still have to hike out if you're gonna quit. Well, <laughs> yeah, and then go back into your cubicle job. I guess. Well, right. What's your alternative, right? I think that was my that was my lowest day, but after you know, I think ultimately I do have a very positive mental attitude about things in general, and so it did help me out on the trail. But I can't tell you how many other people wanted to quit on a daily basis as I was Oh, yeah, and they talked themselves out of it. Oh, so, absolutely. So the funny thing is I find this, the, the big irony of the Appalachian Trail is this, is that, you know, you, you quit, 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 quit. You find, your, you find reasons why you don't want to do it. Everyone goes through it. Yeah. Everybody yeah, goes yeah, yeah. through it. But in the end, as you're hiking into Hot Springs, North Carolina, yeah. you're done. That's your 300 miles. Yeah. Right? I'm, the, I'm there waiting yeah. for you. Yeah, you are. What What is emotionally when you know the trail is over with and you're done, I mean, how much emotion do you have by leaving the trail? You know, for 300 miles, you would think that my emotions would be kind of like, okay, I've done my 300 miles. I'm done. Part my ways. Goodbye. You know, but instead I ended up, I ended up getting angry. I got really, really mad that I wasn't going forward. And I had been hiking with this one girl that I had wanted to continue hiking with. And I was so proud of her for continuing forward. And I, I really wanted, I wanted her journey to continue, but I was, there was like this, this like envy that I wasn't continuing, even though mentally this entire time it had always ended at 300 miles. And 
I I got I got upset. I got upset that I was leaving the trail. And even though I had had like these mixed emotions with not having it been what I had anticipated it being in regards to like this like experience of this wilderness experience and this solo journey, it had turned into something completely different than what I had anticipated it being, which is the beauty of the trail altogether. But I, I felt myself being upset and confused as to like, why should I leave? Why do I need to leave? I, I don't, why? Like, let's just keep going because this is the place where I want to be to all of a sudden the very last morning, I cried my eyes out the night before with my partner <laughs> and, and just being like, I don't want to leave this. And then the next morning, it's like I had reset. I hiked out my last like four miles and I was ready. I was emotionally ready to face the end of the trail and I was done. And I was like, you know what? Nothing matters anymore. I'm going to enjoy these last four miles. I'm going to get into hot springs and it's over. And I am so grateful for having experienced these 300 miles. And so this is like mental play that it takes on you. But it's don't you think enormous. that's the biggest irony of the trail is that you work so hard right. to get on it. Yeah. And then once you're on it, you work so hard to get off, off of, of it. it. Yeah. And then once you get off of it, you regret so right. much you're off of it. Which is And so... that's the whole irony of the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, and, or any and, and getting there. Like... It's one thing if you get from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing. And that's why so many, it's why very few make it. But I think, you know, it all comes down to the simplest of simplest of simplest ideals. It's being grateful for where you are at that moment, completely ignorant of what is going on in your circumstance. Yeah. You know, circumstances, you know, if your happiness goes around circumstances, you're going to, you're going to be an unhappy person, <laughs> so you true. know, because circumstances so suck. <laughs> but if you can find a way to be joyful and, you know, Ariane, I'm telling you, you, you inspired uh, you inspired me, inspired so many people when I saw you really embracing the suck through the Smokies, man. I mean, nobody was happier that <laughs> that twigs and sticks, maybe animals, I don't know, were flying <laughs> in your face. An we're flying in your face, and you're like, I can barely stand straight right now, but I yeah. love this. I mean, you were just like, that to me was just very, very inspirational. And, uh, I mean, I just really enjoyed your hike. And I just, I, I think, it was you just know, awesome. I think that in the end, there were many things that I could have complained about. There are many things that oh, I probably oh, did oh, complain you, about. Every day you can complain about stuff, right? <laughs> but, but when it was all said and done with, it was, it was exactly what I needed because it was nothing of what I anticipated. And that's the journey. And that's what ultimately... I didn't think I needed, but I had, it had, it had, it had brought into light um, so many things and so many lessons that I possibly needed to learn um, that I, I, that I'm, I'm, I'm truly grateful that I had done these 300 miles and I met the people I had met, that I experienced what I had experienced and I had 
come on the other side being more knowledgeable about things that I was unaware of. And truly, if you, to anybody who is listening, if you ever have an opportunity to take on something that is bigger than yourself, go for it. Go for it and go for it with limited expectations because it is like the most impactful moments that you can ever come out on the other side. And of. it doesn't have to be 2,100 miles. No. It can, it, you know, if, if something bigger than yourself is to do 30, to do 10, it, it makes the, the mileage is irrelevant compared to the point that you're actually doing it and you're trying it and you're getting out of your comfort zone. That is. That's the most beautiful thing because, you know, it, 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 the miles is irrelevant. You know, people get so upset when they don't complete uh, a long distance hike, but oh my God, you are out there. What you've you already were successful exactly. when you stepped on the trail. Exactly. And, and do it for you because what, you get out of that never meets an expectation of what somebody thinks you should get yeah. out of it. So that's my advice to you guys, Un, unbeknownst. So yeah. So anyway, thank <laughs> thank you so much, Ariane. Thank you for being our guest today well, on our show. <laughs> like, like, thank you, Scott Jans. Uh, uh, thank you so much for listening, you guys. Uh, and and we we really appreciate uh, the emails that we got uh, when we were uh, in a hiatus for yeah. for a oh couple God, weeks. Yeah. We really really appreciate the love and support that you guys give. Um, it it actually it it means a lot to yeah, us. Yeah, it really does. Um, and if you have any questions about uh, specifically Ariane's three hundred hundred mile hike, of, fun to share with you. Yeah, I mean, go ahead and email us. Uh, let us know. Uh, we're gonna post this on our uh, site, uh, thebackpacker.tv. That's www.thebackpacker.tv. We are always shooting out weird stuff to our email subscribers <laughs> that we don't put out in public. So go ahead yeah. and subscribe to our email list. We really appreciate everybody listening. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thank you for sharing your experience with us, man. That's awesome. Absolutely. You guys, I we have missed you. It's good to be back. And hope you enjoyed this longer than normal podcast. But especially for you, we conclude the trail. Yeah. 300 miles. 300 miles. <laughs> we'll see you guys next All Thursday. Right. See you later. All right. Bye, bye. you guys. Bye.